0: As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes.
1: to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of the University of Guelph campus, Androids Dungeon. This is a show about games, music, movies, books, whatever happened to us on the way to the studio. We did not go to the studio today, and in fact there's no we, unless you count the dog chewing loudly on a bone behind me, which is... Maybe appropriate for the theme of this week's episode of Android's Dungeon, which is the Halloween episode, the spookiest episode of the year, although dedicated listeners of Android's Dungeon will know that I'm a fond, fond, fond person of spooks, spooktacular, spooktastic occasions. This episode is particularly focused on that, though, so buckle up, buckaroos, because you're in for it. Like I said, Androids Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. You're listening either by radio, most likely in the car, or you're at your workplace and somebody has left the radio on to a show that you really wanted to listen to, and now you're listening to me, so joke's on you. Or you're listening online, CFRU.ca, live or through the archives, or you're listening through many streaming services. We publish via Anchor, and it puts all that stuff up wherever you listen, typically. So, lots of options, lots of choices. I am Jack. I am by myself. I've been abandoned this week. Not only by semi-regular co-host Joel, who is currently playing a game with another person, but I am also abandoned by uh, dearest of my loves Kayla, who is currently... At home in spooky hometown of well rural Ontario. So it's just me and the dog and the cats on this cool October day. Androids Dungeon. Halloween episode. Typically, we start things off by asking what we've been playing recently, and I can answer that question real quickly because I didn't get many board games in. I don't know if I got any in since the last episode, which is a little disappointing. I was making a joke earlier that uh, I haven't played a train game in more than a week, and I'm starting to go into withdrawal. And when you don't sell shares and buy shares and lay track and shuffle trains around enough, you start to get this little this twitch in your eye, and you realize that you're you're hooked. You're absolutely addicted. So none of that, nothing light either, not even a game of Splendor, no PAX Premier, no Civ, it's been quiet. I have got to play a bit of some of the greatest computer game of all time, which is Quake. I've been playing a little bit of the updated episode that was released recently by Machine Games, Realm of the Machine or uh, Dream of the Machine or whatever it's called. Either way, it is fantastic, and I just finished two episodes the other night, uh, and they are just staggeringly beautiful and well-designed, and even though I'm not well-versed in the Quake modding community or the Quake, you know, creative world, I know enough about them to recognize genius when I see them, and even though the levels may not have the greatest of flows, especially the Night Dive episodes, I think the Night Dive ones are competent, They're solid B levels, but the machine games levels are just chef kiss. Like they're staggeringly beautiful. Like I just said, you'll be going through hallways. You'll be going through areas and you'll stop and you'll look around and just have to appreciate the detail and love that's gone into some of these levels. And they're not horrifying in the sense that, or at least not the ones I've played in the sense that Quake is known for, the super grim, dark stuff. But these incredible blendings of... All the different sort of themes that run throughout the game of medieval and tech, technology, technological horror blending together. The game does this perfectly. And the machine game guys also know how to balance their enemies. They don't throw too many of one type at you all the time. They use them judiciously and they know what they're doing. So highly, highly recommend giving those a shot. If you already own Quake, it's a free update. If you don't own Quake, I'm not saying buy it right the second, but there will be a sale, and Quake is going to be cheap, guaranteed. So when Christmas rolls around, pick up Quake on sale. My only problem is that because id is owned by Bethesda, there's this little extra you know, layer on top of the experience. So even though you're playing it through Steam, you are also logged into Bethesda.net to play ostensibly a single-player game That you don't need to be logged in for by any stretch. Which bugs me on a very profound level. But ignoring that, highly recommend it. Play some Quake. Uh, As far as board games go, nothing really huge has come out recently. It's kind of quiet. There's a lot of Kickstarters going. There's a lot of interesting things that might be coming down the pipeline eventually. But as far as new releases, nothing's really tingling the spidey senses. Joel and I have talked a little bit about this off-show and that is my fascination with the re-release of Battlestar Galactica Unfathomable, which is taking this fairly beloved game based on a popular television franchise involving betrayal, subterfuge, and sussing out traitors from good, honest, god-fearing folk, and taking it from the stars to the open seas and putting it into the Arkham Horror universe that FFG has. I don't know if they have a monopoly on or if they've got a licensing agreement or what. As far as I know, all that Lovecraft stuff is, you know, it's... What's the word? I I don't want to say open source. Uh, Royalty-free, copyright-free, public domain. I think that's what I'm looking for. But instead of Cylons, you have Deep Ones. Instead of the... The fleet, you have your cruise ship or an ocean liner that's trying to get from point A to point B. And you have to make sure it gets there while fending off horrible monstrosities from the ocean that keep coming every day and every night to wreck your ship and attack the crew. And unfortunately, some of your fellow crew members might also be working for them. And they might not even know it yet, too. Anyway, unfathomable. Looks really cool, it's been getting good reviews as well, and I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. It's also oddly reasonably priced, and it's gonna cause some heads to explode if I say this number, but considering what's in the package and considering the content, or considering the production quality, uh, it's about $79, 89 so it's sub 100 before tax. And considering a lot of games are very, very expensive these days, this almost feels reasonable. And it helps that FFG and Asmodee have the capability to produce in large enough numbers to kind of get some of the cost down. But it's it's not prohibitively expensive in the sense that it makes you really, you know, do some mental math about is this worth it? And considering what some of these splatter games cost too, it's like it, it's you're, pound for pound, you're getting way more out of this. Anyway, Quake and Unfathomable, those are what I'll mention. I haven't been playing Unfathomable, but I've been playing Quake. Hopefully we'll have some fresh content for you for next week. But since it's the Halloween episode where things are getting a little spooky. And in order to set the theme, I'm going to cut to a song. And that's going to set what I want to talk about for this week's episode. So stay tuned. I'll be back in a second. back to CFRU 93.3 FM, what you just heard was the theme to Silent Hill, the 1999 PlayStation One classic, released at a time when Resident Evil was the god of the horror console experience and also on PC and the rest, but they're, they're primarily console games. Silent Hill 1 was released by Konami in a market that they really had no hope in. And part of the reason why it's so unique is because the background behind the game is that Konami basically just let a team of very dedicated dedicated outsiders in the company get together to make a game that they believed in personally and felt very strongly attached to. And this team was labeled as Team Silent, and people have speculated that it's kind of an inside joke in the sense that Team Silent refers to team members that were silently in the background or were told to be quiet. Anyway, this team went on to design this game that is a third-person survival horror experience for the PlayStation 1, that instead of focusing entirely on fixed camera angles and action and... mm, let's put them as moon unit zappa puzzles, Silent Hill focused more on the psychological horror and creating a world where there is a lot of fighting and there is a fair amount of combat, but the environment themselves is terrifying and the ambient and the settings and the dialogue and the sound effects. The horror was much more, without sounding too pretentious, cerebral. It wasn't super violent just to shock you the violence is there and it is shocking but there's so much more going on in this game that's absolutely disturbing and the story is what propels the player through this fantastic world where you take on the role of a character named harry mason who in the opening cinematic is taking his daughter on a car ride when as he turns around the bend he notices Too late that there is a figure of a woman standing in the middle of the road, and he swerves to avoid it and goes over the guardrail and down. And when he wakes up, his daughter's missing, and he's stuck in this town that is empty, covered in a dense fog, and has strange monsters lurking in the mists. And the whole point of the game is to try to find your daughter and get out of this town. And as you go through, the story reveals itself, and the machinations of this organization, this cult, and the various folks that are involved in it, the various people, and the locations. So the game takes you through this incredible world of abandoned locations, and I think this is why the game appeals to me so much, is that I've always been fascinated with exploring places that you normally wouldn't be allowed to and are empty, as in devoid of people. And it's part of the reason why I love exploring abandoned factories and abandoned houses and derelict structures, because there's something sort of perverted about going into these places that you weren't supposed to be in initially, but now they are in less than stellar repair and you're experiencing this world as a total outsider you're you're an interloper and it's a sense of violating a space that you have no purpose or point of being in but you have to and you're exploring it's a it's a very interesting sensation and the game does it so perfectly the game also does this really cool thing where it switches between this more standard sort of let's say exploring Uh, A school that looks fairly normal, but uh, is, of course, empty, and you're solving puzzles along the way and fighting little monstrous goblin children. But periodically throughout the game, you'll switch into the nightmare world or the other world, and that's where the aesthetic of Sound Hill usually shines through, or that's where people really kind of remember, which is that standard everyday aesthetics are swapped for... Rusting metal and chain link fence and barbed wire and strange bodies and corpses strung up or hidden and bizarre visuals just outside of the realm of thought and or outside of the realm of uh, possibility. Uh, lots of stretched leather, very gruesome imagery, and you'll switch between these areas in uh, such a jarring fashion, and the the environments and locales will change commiserately that you end up with this fantastic mix of the mundane horror and the supernatural explicit uh things have just gotten real horror and silent hill is a long game too you get your money's worth there's tons of exploring if you're playing for the first time there's a lot to do there's optional areas there's multiple endings and there's a fantastic time for a player who likes to take their time and explore this town areas are blocked off you don't have total freedom but it's this sort of caged sandbox that you can run around and scavenge items and explore and see some interesting things that the designers don't even necessarily want you to see but they put them in there anyway to help build up this world so silent hill came out in 1999 and kind of changed the landscape of games as far as I'm concerned. I didn't play it back then. I didn't have a PlayStation. I played it way, way later thanks to the assistance of a very dedicated internet community where you can find a copy of Silent Hill that comes pre-bundled with a PlayStation emulator and you can play it however you feel. Uh, Yes, this is infringing copyright. No, I don't care. There's no easy way to play it on the PC. And unless you feel like tracking down a PlayStation copy or buying one off the PlayStation store, knock yourself out. But if you don't have one of those and you don't feel like giving Sony money for a series or Konami money for a series they have just allowed to (laughs) rust away, the PC version is probably the best way to go for it right now, which is probably giving some people some aneurysms right now even thinking about it. Anyway, Silent Hill 1, arguably one of the greatest horror games ever made easily one of the best playstation games ever made and it might be it's easily on a list of top 50 video games of all time without a doubt and its influence is quite strong in the rest of the survival horror pantheon as we go down the line give it a shot back in a second stay tuned Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was the theme of Laura from Silent Hill 2 soundtrack. Are you figuring out the theme yet, folks? Theme of Laura, just like the previous theme from Silent Hill 1, composed by Akira Yamaoka, who has become a bit of a character when you start following the Silent Hill franchise and the kind of the legacy and the world of this series for better for worse but what is undoubted is his songwriting and audio production for the first four games there's no doubt about it uh there are some mistakes here and there and we'll get there when we go on but akira yamoka is he is the kind of face of the games uh For better or for worse, like I said. Anyway, Silent Hill 2 came out in 2001, two years after Silent Hill 1 came out, and was for the PlayStation 2. uh, It came out for the Xbox and for the PC, and then they also did an HD re release, which we'll get into maybe, if I feel like it. Silent Hill 2, without mm, being too hyperbolic, is definitely... One of the greatest com- video games of all time. It is the gold standard of horror games. It is a gold standard of design as far as creating a narrative experience blended with action and puzzle solving and, and art. Ert. But Silent Hill 2, for those who don't know, takes place in Silent Hill, and you take on the role of a character named James Sunderland, who is in mourning following the death of his wife. Uh, Things get weird, though, when he claims to have received a letter in the mail from his wife saying that she is waiting for him in their special place, which is a... somewhere in the town of Silent Hill, where they vacationed way, way back in the day. So, the game basically takes everything a Silent Hill 1 did and makes it even better for the most part. It is a slightly more restrained game in the sense that Silent Hill 1, if the, the scope is, let's say, 100, Silent Hill 2 is about an 80. But where Silent Hill 1 might be a little unfocused and a little too sprawling at times and has an awful sewer section that's very interesting the first time, but after that you just dread it, Uh, Sound Hill 2 ditches all the the stinky parts for the most part and just focuses on the good stuff. The graphics are incredible. Hold up today. The music is incredible. Holds up today. The sound effect's incredible. Holds up today. Voice acting. Everything about it is tremendous. And the story is just so well-delivered and well-written that... It's interesting that so many people have tried to copy it for so long and just screwed it up, including this own series. And in fact, Silent Hill Two is so good the series has never really escaped from its shadow, except under uh, in a couple of circumstances. Uh, it takes, like I said, it takes the same formula where you it's a third person action adventure game. You're running around town. You have an inventory. You have a map. You're going into weird locations. Uh, You have abandoned apartment buildings. You have an abandoned hospital. You have an abandoned prison, abandoned hotel. And you're basically watching a character disintegrate mentally. And depending on your choices throughout the game, you receive different endings based on how you've behaved or how you've played, which was a really interesting way to handle the game. And it's a really interesting style of... Uh, Narrative, which wasn't unique to the game, but again, handled perfectly in this one. And you run around town and come across interesting characters, and the theme of punishment and guilt and regret are extremely pervasive. And the monster designs are all so linked to the characters that you may not appreciate them at first, but then the more you play it and the more you read about it and the more you think about it, you realize just how deeply entwined the theme and the gameplay and the story and the art direction and and the action and the monsters, everything is wound up together so beautifully. Uh, I mentioned the voice acting, and part of the reason why the, the game, I think, is held up so well is because one of the voice actors, uh, the fellow who plays the lead character, James, is a guy named Guy, Sibi, guy Chibi, who had never done any voice acting before, and in fact was working in Japan, I believe, and had taken his daughter to an audition for something. And while he was there, the art director or the sound director basically asked him to, if he wanted to try out, and ended up getting cast in this role as James Sunderland. And you can tell because he's not super slick. He He's not a... Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name, Troy, Troy Baker. He's not Troy Baker by any stretch. And that's what makes it so appealing because he has this sort of more everyman, amateurish quality to it that doesn't sound like you know some shovelware on Steam or when your buddy gets you to help him with some voices in a game he's doing. So there's this, like I was saying, this, the way he speaks just really helps lend itself to the character and makes it stand out again. Uh, it is truly scary at times. The ambience is incredible. the The horror is real. It is a tremendously spooky game, and I think it might be a game that, uh, without too much trouble, should scare modern audiences. So we're about 20 years out from its, you know, from its development and. I I think it's just held up so well that you could put uh, a zoomer in front of it and it would spook them. The controls might be a bit clunky. The combat is definitely clunky. And some sections aren't the best. There's this really awful sort of abstract labyrinth portion, which is uh, more or less a sewer section, but at least it's short and weird. Um, But... Sound Hill 2 is also most famous for the introduction of the series' most iconic character, which is uh, the Red Pyramid thing, or Pyramid Head, as most people call him. And it's unfortunate that the design of Pyramid it was just so good, and the character was just so spooky and well-made, that it haunted the series from then on. And even though the next two games don't have him, or don't address him, all the ones after that kind of live in its shadow. And the movie uses him. And he's just been licensed for Dead by Daylight. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But the monster designs are just so incredibly good that everything else afterward has just never quite made it to that level of quality and interesting creative choices. Silent Hill 2 is also very difficult to find right now. You can barely pick up a copy i think on the playstation 2 uh for a hard copy i'm referring to I, i'm not talking about digitally you might be able to get a digital copy i'm not sure but the hard copy of it is going to cost you a lot of money because i believe the scalpers have grabbed hold of it and they are not letting go um you might be able to get an xbox one copy of it uh but the xbox is notoriously difficult to emulate so you could have trouble with that um Definitely do not get the HD collection. It is legendarily bad. They had to rebuild parts of it using busted source code and reverse engineering because the goons at Konami lost the source to Sound Hill 2 and 3. At least two. Uh, They changed the voice acting to, I believe, Troy Baker and uh, that woman who does the voice of the major in uh, Ghost in the Shell... They've made a whole bunch of changes, the fog is awful, it's just terrible, terrible, terrible. I would argue, though, that the best way to play it, if you do not have a hard copy of the PlayStation 2 version, is to acquire, and I don't feel bad saying this either, a copy of the PC version, and then apply the Essential Edition mod to it. And the Essential Edition is a series of tweaks and graphical adjustments and uh, quality of life adjustments by a dedicated fan community that makes the game as close to the PlayStation 2 version as possible, while also maintaining all the advantages of modern computing. I have a legit copy of the PC version <laughs> that I always loved when I was growing up playing, and it seemed to work fine. Some people had some issues with it. I think when you see side-by-side, side, the fog does look worse, but this current version of Essential Edition does make it look fantastic, and that's the best way to play it. So if you have not had a chance to play it yet... Please, if you enjoy horror games or you enjoy stories and some action and exploring, and just like Silent Hill 1 hits those dopamine rushes of exploring abandoned places, Silent Hill 2 does it even better because the detail level in some of these locales is just top-notch. Back in a second. Stay tuned. what you just heard was what a nightmare from the silent hill 3 soundtrack again by akira yamaoka i picked a more ambient track off of sound hill 3 because frankly this is where things as far as i'm concerned start to take a dive the game looks fantastic for the most part uh some of the graphics in sound Hill 3 i think have not been topped in the time since it's come out 2003 the character models look spot on. They have that. They thread that line between realism and style. Uh, they, the textures are incredible. The detail in the modeling, tremendous stuff. Sound Hill 3 takes place completely ignoring whatever happened to Sound Hill 2. I believe there's no reference to it that I'm aware of. Minus a couple of Easter eggs with regard to the game detecting a save file and the character doing something uh, kind of silly. So, I, you know, very, very niche, very specific, and uh, don't worry about it. Silent Hill 3, though, kind of goes in different direction and is a sequel to the first game. And you won't know it's a sequel to the first game until, mm, I'd say about a quarter or a third way through the game. But in it, you're playing a girl named uh, Heather, and it turns out you're Heather Mason. You're Harry Mason's daughter from the first game. And you're being chased down by the cult that was responsible for all the shenanigans in Silent Hill. And the game follows the exact same beats as all the previous ones. Third-person action-adventure game. In fact, it looks very similar to Silent Hill 2, except everything is now prettier. And well, I, by pretty, I mean <laughs> it's it's better-looking violence. It's better-looking gore. It's better-looking madness and insanity and depravity. Um, but this is where I get into some arguments with some people, because for a lot of people, Silent Hill 3 is their favorite, or at least after Silent Hill 2, they put Silent Hill 3 up there. And for me, I find Silent Hill 3 to be kind of annoying. It's got annoying monsters, uh, monsters you just run by, monsters you run by, but make horrible screeching noises. It's got dog enemies again and dog enemies are the worst in any game. Dogs and sewer levels are the absolute worst in video games. Nobody ever gets them right. Nobody likes doing them. They're awful. Stop it. The puzzles are ridiculous. They feel even more on the nose with regard to moon logic and combine weird item with weird item Why? to get result. The environments are start off pretty good. You start off in a mall that is abandoned and then it gets worse and worse. And it's pretty cool running around in an abandoned mall. Everyone wants to do that at least once in their life, I think. And there is a fantastic area involving a, a commercial building with lots of cool shops in there. And that's a really great spot with some cool locations. Um, But it's also got a subway, which is thematically cool, but in practice, super boring, awful. It's got an awful kind of sewer level, which is kind of beneath. uh, I think it's beneath the mall. That's just boring and ugly. And it's got a whole bunch of kind of random maze-like environments in the other world. With monsters that knock you down and make this awful sniffing noise repeatedly. It's, it's a mixed bag. Gameplay-wise, if you like the first two games, you're going to love it. Uh, but I find it to be the weakest of the three, and it's when the cracks are starting to show. The music is not as good. The sound effects are more annoying. The monsters aren't as good. The gameplay isn't as good. It's shorter. It's just not as good overall. It's still very scary, and it has some incredible moments here and there. And I think the sound design in it, with regard to the 3D sound effects you can do, there were times when I was playing it, and if you've got headphones on, it'll sound like somebody is dragging something on the second floor or making strange noises in the room. It's just perfectly done. And Sound Hill Two has a couple parts like that involving uh, like a, a horse galloping around you, and it's enough to make you like kind of look around the room, saying, "What's going on?" That it just sounds so good, it's so spooky. It's like it's in the room with you. But Sound Hill Three kind of starts dropping the ball. The final boss is awful. Although most of the bosses in all these games stink, the combat's usually very poor, um, and the whole cult stuff is, I think, a little boring to me. I would have preferred, you know. Maybe something entirely standalone. Personal preference. gustibus non est disputandum. Um if it sounds like I'm a little bored kind of describing this one, it's because I just I feel the the least about it. I think it, it was the least risky one of all of them. And ultimately, while it looks great, it's just the one I would like to play. I think it I would play it probably second last not because it's uh not because I think the other one is a worse game per se, but I think this one is just not as good and I would rather play two and one any day over it but again, very tricky to find I don't think you can buy a PC version of it legitimately I could be wrong might be on GOG I don't think it is though uh I think finding PS2 copies of it is a little easier It was not on the Xbox. You can get a PC version, though, quite easily, and I recommend doing that. That's my advice. And again, don't pick up the HD re-release. They changed the voice actor for some unknown reason, and it's not good. The current voice actor for Heather is quite good, as is the rest of the team. There's no reason to swap them out. Anyway, Silent Hill 3, give it a shot. If you're interested in the first two or you like the first two, do not start with it. Not only will it not make much sense, but you won't get as much out of it. Back in a second. Stay tuned. Welcome back to CFRU. What you just heard was Room of Angel from Silent Hill 4. The last game in the series I want to talk about today, at least in earnest, is the most divisive one in the entire franchise, I think. Uh, Silent Hill 4 came out uh, a decent bit after Silent Hill 3, and when it came out, people were a little confused by it. Enough time had passed that the series had kind of been allowed to... People were wondering, like, what was going on? Um, it was released in 2004, which is really soon after Silent Hill 3. Uh, if you recall, Silent Hill 3 came out in 2003, and a year later you got fourth one coming out. And typically when you release a sequel that quickly to a game, it raises some eyebrows. Silent Hill 4 is, right away, feels very differently. And its main gimmick is that you take on a character named Harry Townsend who is, wakes up one day and he is trapped in his apartment. And he can see outside and he can see through his peephole, but he can't interact with the outdi- outdoor world. His phone doesn't work. He can't break any windows. Can't open his door. His door has been crazily padlocked from the inside. And eventually he finds in his bathroom a giant hole that has appeared. And as he crawls down it, he appears inside of the dreams of several people throughout the game, each one of which is, spoiler alert, murdered horribly by this strange figure. And Silent Hill 4 is as close to a sequel to 2 as you're going to get, insofar as that the main villain is a character that is mentioned in passing in Silent Hill 2. Um, the combat in it is much more different than the rest of the series. The the other series, the other entries had a lot of just sort of, you know, whack enemy, move around, whack enemy, stomp it. Sound of 4 brings in a kind of a power meter charge up, limited inventory that you can hold on to. Um, You are much more versatile in your movement the it's more combat focus in the sense that you're going to be switching different types of weapons that are faster and more powerful and it's very obvious what they're doing and what you should be using you've got guns just like in the previous ones but these weapons you got to be careful when you're using you're being haunted by these ghosts that can never be killed but only just temporarily knocked down for the time being and The real big kicker in the game is that when you go back to your apartment, everything is in first person, and you get to explore this apartment in first person and do some puzzle solving, advance the story, spy on your neighbors, and kind of look outside. And the cool thing is that about halfway through the game, it does a switcheroo on you, and your apartment that used to be a place of safety where you'd gradually regenerate your health for free, and nothing bad ever happens suddenly becomes a place that you're no longer safe in. You no longer get your health back, and some random hauntings occur there that require you to exercise or dispel them. And these hauntings can be kind of wacky and weird to horrifying and bizarre. The game itself is divisive because it feels very different to the rest of the series and unfortunately is kind of annoying to play in that it's very long artificially and that you play through the game mostly completely and then it asks you to go through it one more time this time as an ex escort mission and escort missions are up there with dogs and sewer levels for things people absolutely despise in video games myself included story-wise i think silent hill 4 is one of the strongest stories in the series i love what they're doing i love that it was totally unique and had little nods to the previous games Uh, But it feels like people really kind of thought outside of the box and tried to do something interesting with this. And there were a couple of rumors floating around that Silent Hill 4 was never intended to be a mainline series, and they just took um, a mainline series entry, and they just took another game in the series, another game that was in development, just slapped Silent Hill on it and called it a day. But I believe the designers have dispelled that myth or said it's not true. It was always in design. It was always, uh, you know, going to be a Silent Hill... I think it would have been better if they didn't call it 4, and they just made it an entirely sort of separate thing, but uh, to each their own. It doesn't look as good as Silent Hill 3. Silent Hill 4 is a much grayer-looking game, and the colors appear much more muted overall. Uh, so graphically, it's it's got a lot of things going for it. Like, the character models still look fantastic, like the uh, player characters and uh the uh sort of the victims and everyone else it's got incredible cinematics the i still think the trailer the e3 trailer for silent hill 4 is as a short film almost just fantastic on its own it's just absolutely beautiful with the room of angel soundtrack playing over it um something it's really something else there but ultimately it just came out and definitely heralded the end of the series for a lot of people because it wasn't quite what they were expecting. Sound Hill 2 was just so good. Silent Hill 3 was okay, still pretty good, especially compared to the rest. Um, but at this point, 4 just kind of, kind of showed that the steam was running out of the ship, and it wasn't quite there. And it was not going to be for a bit more, not until Silent Hill Origins came out in 2007, I think, that we would go back to Silent Hill. And even Silent Hill 4, you're, you're not even in Silent Hill ever properly. There's not much of that sense of exploring abandoned places. It's more dreamlike, more surreal. Um, the series never really got back to normal. And the last thing I want to say in the diamonds of the show is that the closest to hope we all had was back in about 2016, 2017, was it 2018 maybe? Good Lord, I'm trying to figure this out, is when the PT demo was released on PlayStation 4 and when people solved it and figured it out and it finished with a teaser for Norman Reedus walking into an abandoned town and the word Silent Hills appearing up on screen and the cat was out of the bag that Hideo Kojima, Guillermo del Toro, Jinji Ito, they were all working together on a game not just a game, Silent Hill game, it was it was a miracle. It's, it, we had been in the desert for so long after so many cruddy North American interpretations of the games that were always just, at best, mediocre, and at worst, garbage. And then Konami and Kojima got into a, a big little fight, and Konami got scared, and Kojima said, Yo-ho, let's go to Bel-Air. I still hold out hope. I still think there's going to be something coming down the pipe eventually. I'm concerned it's going to be a remake of one, which may or may not be any good. But hopefully, we can finally get these licensing and these fights put aside, and we can finally get the sequel to Silent Hill, I guess, four that we've been waiting for for all these years. But until then, good luck. Sound Hill Four is on GOG. It's on sale at the moment too. You can get it for like five dollars or seven dollars, which is a good price. It's got some patches applied to it. The uh, original PC release, which I've got, I've got all these except for the Sound Hill One. Uh, the original PC release of it had this bizarre bug where all the frame, uh, all the cinematics, uh, which are all done in game, had a. Frame rate lock of like 10 frames a second or something, it was very peculiar. So, you had this very strange effect that I always thought was on purpose, but shows what I know. Anyway, that's all I got for you today. Thank you for listening to CFRU Androids Dungeon. Check us out on Instagram, Androids Dungeon, AD Radio CFRU on Twitter, and Droid Dungeon Radio. Or is it Droid Dungeon Radio on Twitter? Anyway, whatever. I'll figure it out. Have a good one, folks, and have a good Halloween.